You're listening to the Hustle Her Hot Seat, and this is episode number 17. From ditching a 9-to-5 job at a software sales company that just wasn't meeting her needs, to saying hello to the digital nomad lifestyle, Sam Liberty is one hell of a hustler and honestly such a role model. Sam has worked in numerous startups, she's traveled all around the globe, and she even created a product and business with her partner. If you've thought of it, Sam has probably done it. In this episode, Sam dishes out what it really means to be a digital nomad and what steps you need to take in order to get there. We walk through the financial side to entrepreneurship and how to get rid of those money blocks. We also dive deep into what it's really like having a partner who is also an entrepreneur and how to create that work relationship balance. Honestly, I have followed Sam for quite some time on social media, and she answered all of my burning questions. So if you're looking to get inspired, you're in the right place because Sam's story is going to do just that. Let's dive in. You're listening to The Hustler Hot Seat, and I'm your host, Kirsten Perry. I help young entrepreneurs turn their passions into profit-building businesses. From marketing for your niche to partnering with your ideal clients, I'm here to help, and so are some of my fellow entrepreneurs. So grab a coffee, sit back, relax, worry about the hustle later, and let's get to it. Okay, so hi, Sam, and welcome to the Hustler Hot Seat. I am so, so stoked to have you on the podcast, and I've been, I've been following your uh, very adventurous journey on Instagram, seeing every place that you have traveled to for the past couple of months, and it's been crazy, and I'm so excited for you to be able to share your story with everybody that listens to the Hustler Hot Seat podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here too. I've been looking forward to this interview all day. So thanks for the opportunity. I think Instagram gives you a visual platform, but audio, you can really go deeper into a lot of things, which is exciting. Agreed. So let's just start off the episode with your story. So tell us all about you, everything from start to finish. Oh, well, I'm almost 30 so that we could be here for a while. But currently, I am a full-time freelancer, and all of my clients are remote. So over the last two years, I've been on a mission to really live more nomadically and work online. And as part of that journey, I launched Freedom Lifestyle, which is a podcast of my own. It's also an online community and an event series. So that's what keeps me busy right now, just traveling and working and podcasting. But prior to this, I've always worked in the startup entrepreneurial space. I've started a couple businesses. I've worked for a few early stage startups as like employee number one or employee number 10. And through all of this, I've just really realized how important it is to me to have freedom and flexibility in my life. So that's why I'm going back at self-employed again, but this time as a freelancer. And I also have some side businesses as well. That's amazing. I, it's always interesting to talk to people that are in the entrepreneurship space because every single story is different. And I feel like 
it doesn't matter how long you've been an entrepreneur, you're always able to learn more from people who are also doing the same kind of thing that you are, um, which is great. One of the biggest things I do want to talk about with you is this whole concept of being a digital nomad. Um, You were featured in a couple um, online prints that talked about your digital nomadic lifestyle and it really intrigues me and I'm sure that some of the people that follow you on Instagram it really intrigues them too so can you maybe explain that a little bit more and talk about how you shifted from working a nine-to-five job to this new type of lifestyle that you're living definitely I think there are essentially three options if someone wants to live as a digital nomad and work wherever. So the first option is, you know, start a business because, of course, if you run a business, especially um, a business where you're really intentional about being able to run it from anywhere, that's option one. Option two is to become a freelancer where you essentially negotiate all of your contracts and clients for that your work is going to be done remotely. Or the third option would be to be a remote worker, which is something I've recently been learning more and more about where there's a ton of companies now that will only hire remote workers. So I think this is a great option for someone who wants to work wherever but doesn't necessarily want to be an entrepreneur yet. So those are the three options. And for me, the shift was a mix of one and two. I started freelancing essentially as soon as I quit my job, July 2017. So it's been just about two years now of me doing this. And at the beginning, my motivation was the fact I was in a long distance relationship. My boyfriend was living in San Francisco and Prior to this, I was working for a company that had no flexible working guidelines. There was no working from home. It was always a struggle for me to try to go visit him. And I was super pumped about the relationship. So I didn't want to let that, you know, fall out because of work. So that was my initial motivation to freelance. And since then, I ended up loving it and really turning into a business and helping other people do this as well. So that's been my journey, and it just started one freelance client at a time, starting really small, figuring out how I can create multiple revenue streams based on the skills and experiences that I've had, and making sure that everything I'm doing is aligned with that idea of being able to work online and being able to do it from anywhere. That's awesome. I obviously have been following your journey, and I've been asking myself questions just as I see posts I I see that you're traveling and I'm like how does she keep clients how do people just accept the fact that you are a digital nomad like if I went to a client of mine and I was like hey I am thinking about traveling for three months I still want to do work for you is that going to be okay like how do you have that conversation and how do you approach a client being like I want to do this work for you but I'm also going to be in a completely different time zone. Mm -hmm. I would say there's two tips for that. One is the fact that when you're doing client work and you're doing freelancing, most likely most of your gigs and jobs are going to come from people already in your network. So people who already know you. So for example, I'm very clearly living and advocating for this nomadic lifestyle. And so that's kind of helped me Um, bridge that gap before the conversation even starts. Most people won't even have the conversation with me unless they're somewhat open to that. So that's really worked in my favor. And then the second thing I would say is find clients that aren't in your city. 
if you are working remotely for the client from the get-go, then it doesn't matter whether you're working from Toronto or whether you're working from Medellin, Colombia, or whether you're working from Costa Rica. As long as you've established with the client that this is your terms for working and they're used to you not having FaceTime and maybe you utilize online tools. You know, right now we're doing a podcast interview, but we also have some video so I can see you. Like technology has never made it easier for this to be a real possibility. So yeah, those would be my two tips. One, use your network and, you know, make it clear that you're interested in this lifestyle. So you have the conversation first before having to have it. And then two, find clients that maybe aren't in your city. So it's remote from the beginning. That's great. The other question that I really had about this whole lifestyle thing kind of touches on finances a bit and feel free to share as much or as little as you want on this topic. But I just recently moved to Toronto and it's been a huge financial change for me. And I couldn't imagine jumping from location to location to location with like being a freelancer is kind of an unsteady job. Um, there's a lot of risk there. Like how do you make sure you're financially able to live this type of lifestyle? Mm-hmm. I think there was a quote that I learned last year that I wish I had earned, learned earlier in life. And it was that it's not about how much money you make. It's how much money you save. And I think that's so true because you could be making hundreds and hundreds of thousand dollars a year, but if you have this extravagant lifestyle, you might have the same amount in your savings account as me, who might only be making like fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year. So it's about figuring out how you're going to spend your money. And for me, when I decided to go on this journey, a lot of lifestyle changes happened. When I had my nine to five, I got my nails done every two weeks. You know, I would get facials. I would go for dinners all the time. There's such this culture of catching up with friends over dinner and drinks, which a small tweak in that most people just want to hang out and most people don't actually want to always be spending their money on that. It's just that's the thing we do. So I started shifting to, you know, why don't we go for a walk or why don't you come over and I can have a bottle of wine or thinking of different ways that you can be more mindful about how you're spending your money. I think that is huge. I definitely live more minimally. I used to always buy new outfits for every single trip. Like, as I said, I'm almost 30. I have so much stuff in my closet and that's just, those things don't give me joy anymore. It's about experiences. I'm the millennial cliche, but it's really about having less things and living minimally And then the second point I would say is diversifying your income. So if the idea of only being a freelancer and relying on clients scares you, then challenge yourself to think about other ways you can cushion that. Some of the things that I've done is I've Airbnb'd my place every single time I've gone traveling. It's been amazing for me. I love Airbnb. It's it's been the best. So something as simple as that can really change the idea of, well, I can't pay for rent in two places. I can't pay for hostels and Airbnbs while also having my own rent. So that's been really great. But then also I think passive income is something that a lot of people are talking about in the entrepreneurship space or digital nomad space. So is there a way that you can use your skills and start a little side hustle that generates revenue uh, continuously for you? So for me, my boyfriend and I, we have a drop shipping e-commerce store together. I teach online workshops about how to launch a podcast. So I'm going to launch a series of classes on Skillshare. 
And I have my podcast, which generates a little bit of revenue from sponsors for me. So think about different ways you can make money so it's not just reliant on client work, which you're right, it is more unpredictable. That's really amazing. I think a lot of people create these money blocks and they get so set in their ways of like living for that Friday, Saturday, I'm going out with friends or, oh, I... I need to get my nails done or I have to get my hair done. Like we live kind of in in a generation where those materialistic things play such an important role, even though they're not actually. And then when people see others traveling, they don't understand how they can do that. And they don't realize how realistic it actually is if you just prioritize where your money needs to go. Totally. Like if it's something that you really want, if you really want to travel, then obviously you're going to have to cut back on some other things in your life in order to make that happen. But some people just don't want to and they're not willing to kind of make that risk. Yeah. So. And I think like I'm very late to the game and that's what I think is so inspiring is that like when I met my boyfriend, he had been set on going on this four month backpacking trip, you know, his probably for like 10 years, much longer than before we were dating. And Mm -hmm. a year before the trip, he was like, it would be so much more fun if you came. But I hadn't been saving for this trip for years. I had been living my lifestyle of going out every weekend, making money to spend it, having new clothes, having expensive cocktails, getting my Starbucks coffees. And so I only had a year to pull this off. And when you set your mind to it, just 12 months, you can totally save up for something like this. Coffee is another really great example. I have a French press. I buy a bag of McDonald's coffee for $8.99. It lasts me like a week and a half of coffees. Like little things like that really do make a difference or probably two weeks of coffees realistically. And it's like these small little things that you can change. And yeah, it doesn't have to be like multiple years of saving. Like you can probably do this in a year. At least that's what worked for me. I think that once you start putting your mind to it too and you're like, I'm going to start traveling, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, the money kind of just finds its way to you. I feel like the more you stress about it, and I talk with my friends about this a lot, but the more you stress about money, the more it gets further and further away. You know, kind of like the universe being in line and all of that stuff. Um, So yeah, I think that that's super important to just like prioritize. Like what do you want? And what are you going to do to get there? Mm -hmm. And then there's also travel hacking, which is a whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I definitely want to make a podcast episode about that. But I'm by no means an expert. But travel points are huge. Like, honestly, Mm -hmm. look online travel hacking. And there's so many ways that you can get free flights, free accommodations at different places just by having certain points cards, certain credit cards, using certain referral codes. Like, these options are out there. There's also... Mm -hmm. Um, a website called Workaway where you can volunteer at hostels or I know a lot of people do the couch surfing. I've never done that, but you can stay in people's places for free and it's not actually always a couch. Like a lot of them are a private bedroom in someone's place. So you also have to be open to different living styles. Like if you have an envision of an extravagant trip where you're always in five-star hotels and you're having these experiences, maybe a year isn't enough for you. But for me, I was more interested in nature and hiking and 
you know, experiencing the culture in the cities than staying at a really fancy hotel while I was traveling. Right. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about your relationship and this whole dynamic that you two have. Um, So do you want to maybe like give us a little background information on how you met? And then we can kind of get into some of the questions that I do have. Yeah, I love talking about my boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) We met summer 2016 in Toronto. And when we met, he was moving to San Francisco that fall. And he told me right away that he wasn't looking for a serious relationship, but he was interested in spending the summer together and hanging out. And I always tell my friends who are single and having trouble on the dating apps, like that's literally why it worked is because we just let our guard downs and we didn't play any games of like, is this going to last forever? Where is this going? We just said, you know, this is going until the end of the summer and we could just go all in and we fell in love and of course ended up trying long distance. And so we were long distance. He moved to San Francisco that fall. I was still in Toronto. And for a solid year and a half, he was there. I was still working. At this time, Freedom Lifestyle was not on my radar. I was working for a startup here in Toronto, nine to five. And every two months, either I would go there for four nights and then he would come here for four nights. So we totally did that back and forth. And it wasn't until last March that he joined me in the Freedom Lifestyle and he was working for Uber in SF and he quit his job um, to just prepare for this big year of traveling that we had this year. Wow, that's amazing. So I've talked with a lot of people that are in my close circle. Um, Some of them are in uh, relationships with someone who isn't in the entrepreneurship space and then some of them are dating people that are also entrepreneurs. So can you talk a little bit about what it's like to date someone who is also an entrepreneur? Is it harder? Is it easier? Does it matter? I think it definitely matters only because you want to have the same North Star in terms of like, what's your aspirational lifestyle? And because we both have that same vision for what we want, we both value freedom and flexibility. We both value adventure and experience over things. We both value, you know, being passionate about our work and bringing ideas to life and taking risks in our careers. Because we have all of that in common, we're able to support each other to take those risks and to take those chances when I first quit my job and started freelancing and started working entrepreneurially again in podcasting. He was still in his job and it was one of the more challenging parts of our relationship. It was harder to relate. He was a little bit envious of my lifestyle. We found ourselves not being able to take advantage of the freedom of the entrepreneurial lifestyle that I now had because he couldn't come always. So as soon as he quit and joined me, all of the opportunities and possibilities opened up for us of like, okay, if we both have the freedom to work wherever, whenever, like where will we, where will we do that from? And it's been like co-creating this amazing lifestyle. And we just, he's visiting me right now for six weeks for the summer. And this week at past weekend, we made a vision board for next year, which is something we did this year too, of different trips and bucket list experiences. And I think when you're on the same page with your work and life, then you're able to do those things. And I just think that's, that's so magical. Like that's the type of partnership that I've always dreamt of. 
Now, do you have any advice maybe for someone who is in a relationship with someone who isn't quite the entrepreneur? Maybe that's just not their style. Is there anything that you've found maybe even during that period where you both had very different lifestyles, things that worked and that helped? Mm-hmm. I think a big conversation that couples need to have is what is your version of success and how do you define success? Because this is something that even though we both have the same entrepreneurial lifestyle, we've realized is kind of different. So for example, I really value opportunities to tell my story and being a thought leader and getting to speak at events and getting to be on podcasts. Like I see this as metrics of success, whereas for him, he really more values financial wins and ROI and how much money the business is making versus maybe impact sometimes. And so I think that if you're not going to have the same type of career, that's okay, but make sure you're open about what things that you see as successful so that the other person can respect that and be your cheerleader. In terms of someone not being an entrepreneur, like maybe that's an issue, maybe it's not. I think the t- the the areas where it becomes the most of an issue is when there's finances involved, when an entrepreneur is not making that much money right now because they're bootstrapping or they're investing in their business, whereas their partner is maybe in a secure job that's bringing in the money. You want to make sure that's not an issue and you want to talk openly about that and you don't want to pretend it's not happening and just assuming that everyone's okay with it, like have that conversation. And I think as as long as you're aligned with that, then there should be no reason that one person can be in corporate and the other person can be an entrepreneur. Great. And so you have talked a little bit about how you and your partner have very you're both entrepreneurial, but you're doing your own kind of thing. But I happen to know that you also work together on a book. I believe it's a book, uh, the long distance relationship activity book. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that was something that was a test of our relationship, to be honest. I always joke that there's nothing sexy about arguing with your partner over shipping rates and what the Instagram (laughs) caption should be and whether there should be a period here or a hyphen here in the book. Like we that was like the drought in our relationship. We refer to it when we were writing the book. Now that the book is done and created and it's a product and we're mostly just marketing it and selling it, it's it's fun again. But at the beginning, it was tough. So we had this idea to create this product together because when Jared and I approached a long distance relationship or an LDR, as the long distance community called it, we were super intentional about it. We had so many people warn us that long distance never works. How can you trust that person? How are you going to like be aligned? When are you guys going to close the distance? And it was true. He really thought that being in a long distance relationship meant every single night he had to have a video call with me and tell me everything he did that day. And he was nervous because he was moving to San Francisco and that's really exciting. And he wanted to fully have that experience and he didn't want to be spending all of his time fair on a video call every night. And we had to have that conversation about what are our expectations on how often we talk, what forms of communication, 
How are we going to solve issues around trust? How are we going to plan our visit so we're really intentional and make the most out of them? So we were a pretty intense couple and we had a lot of like rules of engagement and we would do a lot of activities together. And so we would tell our friends about this and they always thought like that's so smart, that's so unique. I wish me and my partner had done that and aka they're not dating anymore. So that's really when we felt like we were onto something and we did some research. We'd never seen anything in the market like this. There's a lot of long distance relationship books, but we really wanted to make it something very like colorful and fun and millennial focused in terms of the branding. And then the other opportunity we had is his mom's actually a registered psychologist. So when she agreed to work on the book with us, we knew we could just take it to the next level of, okay, we can make this like an actual psychology backed activity book and market it that way. So that was where the idea came from. That's amazing. You have had such a crazy journey, I feel like, and you're only 30 and it's been an crazy <laughs> 29. <laughs> 29. We're not jumping the gun too soon. <laughs> um, but you've been in, I feel like every kind of job that there is almost, you've been in a nine to five, you've been in the entrepreneur's entrepreneurship space you've partnered with your partner on a business like you've literally touched it all and throughout all of that I'm really curious to know like what advice did you receive that was like it stood out the most for you and it stuck with you this whole time the best advice I needed to hear was around not worrying what people think because I, even as a child, I was always so worried about being liked. I valued being popular over being smart. I really obsessed over how I was being perceived and how I came off. And still, I'm not perfect. I definitely overanalyze my life and my identity and what people think. But if you're going to take risks in life and try to live an unconventional life like I'm doing or be an entrepreneur and go against society's norms, it's impossible for you to be liked by everyone. The reality is, is you're doing something differently. So I think hearing that was something I really needed to hear. And then of course, just being aware of the fact that people are pretty self-absorbed. Maybe they're going to see you promoting your business again, or like for the fifth time, asking your friends to vote for you for something (laughs) and they're going to roll their eyes. But two seconds later, they're going to go back to be worrying about themselves. And I think that realization and reminder is what I need to hear in order to keep putting myself out there. And that's what you need to do as an entrepreneur or as a creative or as a content creator, like as a podcaster, I'm sure you can relate to that. The first episode you released, you must've been questioning, what are people gonna think about this? Like, And I was there too. And I think the best advice I had was just around, you can't, you don't even know what they're thinking. You'll never know. So why waste your energy with that? Just focus on focus on you and put it, put yourself out there. I think that's really great advice. And I feel like anytime you start something new or you're, like you said, taking a risk or really putting yourself out there, you do leave yourself susceptible to the opinions of other people, but you have to create that boundary between knowing what opinions you need to listen to and which ones are just 
maybe projection, people that are jealous or um, maybe they're just not educated about what's going on and, and they don't understand everything that goes into the business. I think for me, I for sure have had those moments where I'm like, well, what what is so-and-so going to think if I move to Toronto? What is so-and-so going to think if I rebrand my business? Like I just rebranded this podcast and it came from what somebody had thought, but it was the right decision. And I had to decide if, if I was going to go with that or I wasn't. But now I'm like, what are people going to think now that I've rebranded the podcast? Like, like it's always in the back of your mind and you have to kind of just push it aside. And I think that's the hardest part. Totally. And it's sometimes it get easier and sometimes it doesn't. Some days I don't care at all and I'm like, screw them. And some days I'm like, ooh, what do people think about this? And maybe I delete it. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. an ongoing battle. But I think, yeah, the sooner you get past that and work through it, the sooner you can like have your dreams come true. Agreed. Now, I'm sure along the way, since you have had so many different um, avenues as a career, you've made a couple of mistakes. Um, But I'm curious to know what you think the biggest mistake people make when they start like their business for the first time. Like what's the biggest thing where you're like, "Mm, you probably shouldn't be doing that. This is how you could do it better. Mm -hmm. Totally. I'm really into the lean startup model. Last year I had an opportunity to go to their conference in San Francisco. And actually I guess that would have been two years ago because it was when Jared was still there. And they're all about creating a minimum viable product, putting it out there, getting feedback, real feedback from real customers, potential customers, and then making iterations on your idea. I think I see so many people, and I'm guilty of this sometimes too, waiting for your idea, for your business or your product or your piece of content to be perfect before it goes out into the world. If it's perfect, you waited too long. I think you can spend so much time and so much money, which is scarier even too, People are putting their life savings. Sometimes they're using the mortgage from their house to fund business ideas. And that's terrifying if you don't know if you have product market fit and you don't know if people mm-hmm. even want this. And anecdotally, you might have had this idea or talked to people about it and they said it sounds good, but you really need to test your idea before you invest too much time and money into it or else you can get really burned and then you'll never try entrepreneurship again. I think that's huge. Another thing I learned early on is my first job was I was working for the entrepreneurship center at my university. So I was working closely with first-time entrepreneurs, student entrepreneurs, and my boss told me this and I loved it. He was like, it's not about the first business idea. It's about building these youth, young people as entrepreneurs and building their resilience to it. And every business you get smarter and smarter. So if your first one isn't a home run, that's okay because you've just learned a ton and you've got a taste of entrepreneurship and you're probably hooked. But that's not going to happen if you mess it up so bad because you spent so much time and money that you you never try entrepreneurship again. Yeah, that's really great. I like that. Um. The, the whole podcast is called The Hustler Hot Seat, and hustle is something that I talk about constantly. I'm curious to know how you would define the term hustle, because I think everyone has a little bit of a different definition. Mm-hmm. 
And hustle's kind of getting sometimes a bad name, right? People are all like anti-hustle club now, like self-care, self-love. So I think it's great that you're going to try to retake back that word and have us all kind of define it. I love that because it is a great word and you can interpret it however you want. For me, I think someone who's hustling can still like hustle in terms of self-care and taking care of themselves. And it's a balancing Mm -hmm. act. So for me, I would define self-care as like consistency. So consistently going after your dream, showing up every day, persevering and being really resilient, even in the times where you want to give up. And then I would also say it's a combination of passion. So consistency mixed with passion is really to me hustle. And that's when I know I'm hustling because you can be grinding. I guess that's another term on something you're not interested in and that you hate doing, you're resentful. Like, I don't think that's, that's passionate hustle. Agreed. You're right. Definitely about hustling, getting a bad kind of rep. I think people think that it's 24 seven, you have to be go, go, go in your business in order to succeed. And I don't think that that's it at all. I talk about self-care constantly on my Instagram and making sure that people are, not perfecting their self-care routine, but making an effort to to focus in on it. And as long as you are working hard and you're you're like you said passionate and motivated and you're driven, like that is hustling. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's not go 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 go. No sleep, no eat, nothing. Because at the end of the day no sleeping and no eating is going to mean that you're going to get sick and then your business is going to fall apart anyways. So true. So I think there's, there's definitely a line there and and people, people miss it. And there's also influencers out there that preach about the hustle and like that go, go, go lifestyle. And then when people listen to that, it gives them like a bad idea of what it really means to hustle, which is why I always come on and I ask this question because Like I said, it's different for everybody and I'm just trying to hone in on what everybody thinks is the the actual definition and what it means to them. Totally. Reclaim the word. I love that it's called Hustle Her. Trying. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's a great brand. Thank you. Um, so tell me where we can see you in the next five years. Like, what are your goals? You you talked about your vision boards, so I know there are some. So let us know. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I always think I'll be living this flexible, freedom-based lifestyle where there's a lot of variety in my day and I'm doing things that I'm passionate about and I'm learning and I'm excited about and I'm having fun. So I don't see that changing. But in terms of where I really want to go is my favorite thing to do that doesn't feel like work is I love hosting events and conferences and entertaining people or moderating interviews or panels that are on topics related to the future of work and flexible work and working online or being a digital nomad. And I've had a couple of these experiences over the last two years. On my birthday last year, I got to emcee my first conference and that was so exciting and I had really great feedback. So I definitely see myself traveling and doing more of that and putting those vibes out there that that's going to be a real value, viable career option for me. 
So I'm trying to experiment on like, okay, what would that take now? And who could be my mentors in this? So that's where I'm at right now. Right now, a lot of my opportunities are just in Toronto. So I'd love to do more hosting and moderating internationally. And then personally, I would say a dog. Honestly, that's something that's still (laughs) in my bucket list. I have a really cute Bengal cat and my condo in Toronto is good enough for us. But in five years, I imagine I'll have some type of property with a yard and an Australian shepherd dog. And I'm a huge animal lover. So I think dog and cat would, you know, fill the family for now before the whole kids thing. (laughs) I definitely want a dog. I think you're not alone in that. (laughs) Um, Do you think that you and his name is Jared, correct? Mm -hmm. Do you think that you two will be traveling like for the rest of your life or do you find that you'll kind of settle down and find a permanent home? Yeah, that's such, where's your head with that? Oh, that is such a loaded question right now and something we're <laughs> talking about because it's exhausting and I'm personally still loving it. Jared hates packing and unpacking. That's literally his biggest complaint about it. I'm like that that's an unreasonable thing he's just like he hates having to pack his stuff in a suitcase and unpack it and move it around move it around whereas that's kind of my favorite part of the process I pick out what outfits I'm gonna wear and I picture me wearing it in that city and I get so excited as I you know pull out all of my travel size cosmetics and I personally thrive he hates that so he's definitely been talking a lot about how long we see ourselves doing this. So our vision board is for the rest of 2019. So H2 of this year and then all of 2020. And then 2021, he we want to be settling down a little bit more. Maybe that means I'm traveling more for these international speaking opportunities and mm-hmm. doing that on my own. We'll see where he's in that. We definitely want a family and a lot of digital nomads that's kind of when it ends. Um, But I also think that because there's so many more people working online and living this nomadic lifestyle, that there's going to be a lot of products and solutions for family nomads and online learning and global, like there's co-working WeWorks, maybe there's going to be global co-working, but for childcare. And education where your kid can drop in in each city at certain cities and get caught up I don't know I I, I'm not building that business but I imagine someone's thinking about it because (laughs) there's such and a desire for that and I think my parents never traveled with me when I was younger me and my sister fought so much that they never they traveled on their own so I think it'd be so cool to show a child so many different countries and cultures and make them curious so it's TBD, but I'm equally as interested in making that lifestyle work with a family as well as meeting my partner halfway if he's not down for that and me just figuring out, okay, what's my travel? How do I check that box while still having stability for him and coming home and having a space with him? I love that. I think your communication with each other is so essential, especially kind of living this lifestyle. You almost have to maybe communicate a little bit more with each other than a couple that works two nine to five jobs. And the fact that you guys are open to that communication, I think, I think that's absolutely incredible. Yeah. I think that's a huge perk for long distance relationships is because there's none of the, 
yes, of course, there's none of the physical stuff. Everyone realizes that. But then there's also none of the just like the easy hangout wins. Like let's throw on a movie or let's check out this comedy show down the street or let's check out this new vegan restaurant that opened. You're you're so forced to communicate and not just have the mundane, what'd you do today? Like we've been going deep for years and talking about our dreams and talking about our childhood and we we have different there's the what's it called there's a Toronto startup called deep questions and it's like a deck of cards full of deep questions so we travel with those and sometimes when we're out for lunch we'll be like want to pick a card and we'll just try to have a meaningful conversation so we definitely over communicate and we both love to talk as (laughs) I have a podcast so that works in our favor too that's that's honestly amazing and it's it's really nice to see that you've both been able to take your passions and integrate them into the relationship that you've built together and you've made it work and I just think that that's truly beautiful thank you I'm really proud of my relationship like it is almost like a business in itself or it is almost Mm -hmm. like having a fit body like we've invested the same amount of time and care as you would in your physical fitness or in a business or in a career as we have our relationship so I'm I'm yeah I'm super proud of it are you seeing anybody right now um, no, I'm not. I actually just got out of a relationship oh. um, with someone back home in Windsor. It's completely fine. It was on mutual terms. And now I'm just kind of uh, embracing my singleness as I'm in the city and really focusing on my business and kind of growing that. And then if sometime down the line, I meet somebody and it works, it works. But I'm not putting any pressure on that at this point. Yeah, that's so um, important. But it, it's nice to see... A relationship work with entrepreneurs because that's a problem that I've had in the past with past relationships is that they maybe weren't so entrepreneurial and it was kind of a clash they didn't understand why I was working on Saturdays and Sundays they didn't understand why I was getting all these checks come in the mail but I was still struggling to pay to live like there was just a lot of extra communication that had to go in to explain what it's like to be an entrepreneur and to have to like work extra hard, you know? Mm-hmm, totally. So, so hearing your story and hearing what it's like to be with someone who shares that same passion, it almost gives me like a glimpse of hope that like, this is the kind of relationship maybe I should be um, like engaging in, not necessarily looking for, because I'm a firm believer that you shouldn't really look for a relationship and that they'll happen when they're supposed to. Um, but it's it's nice to see that kind of cohesiveness and an underlying understanding of where you're both at. Mm-hmm. So, And by no means are we perfect. Like I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, because we're so out there with our relationship, might think, oh, they're so perfect or, you know, this is some great relationship. And I don't want it to be this thing where you think it's always great. And then if your relationship has hiccups – then you, you know, cut it because it's not that. Like we totally fight like a lot and he drives me crazy and I drive him crazy and it's the little things bug me and I'm not better than than anyone who doesn't get reactive and traveling together was kind of a shit show. And But it all comes down to it's not about not fighting. It's how you overcome those fights and how you communicate and how you handle them. And that is what keeps me going. Like at the end of the trip, we made a travel diagram 
Venn diagram of, okay, these are the things I like to do while traveling. These are the things you like to do. And here's our commonality so that our next trip, we just like focus on that or take alone time versus like making the person do things they don't actually want to do. So yeah, we fight a lot, but we have great communication and we don't give up on each other. Well, people often think that relationships are just supposed to be easy. If it's right, it's going to be easy, but I don't think that that's true at all. I've been in quite a few relationships and I think that you're right. It takes work. It's, it's effort. You have to be putting your best foot forward all the time. And the fact that you guys do activities like that, like the Venn diagram, that's incredible. Like, I don't know anybody that has done that before. And I think probably this kind of stuff is included in your activity book. Totally. Like that is the kind of stuff people need. And I, they're not willing to put in the work. The minute something goes wrong, they're like, I guess that's it. This is not the person for me, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that that's always the case. And they just don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think when you're an entrepreneur, it's easier to maybe is my theory because you're used to effort. And you've decided that you're not looking to do the easy, convenient thing. So I think you're almost more positioned to have a a really strong relationship that has resilience because you've built it in business. And for us, yeah, like one of my favorite quotes is effort is attractive. I like don't want an easy relationship. Whenever we're slacking, I'm always the one like, oh, no, I think like we're sliding here. We thinking things are too good. We're we're not doing the little things anymore. And he's like, OK, thanks for keeping us honest. You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, so he's really receptive to it. But I definitely hold us to a very high standard for sure. Good. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I know that that's more of like a personal side to things, but I think it's like kind of equally as important to talk about that, especially because like as an entrepreneur, your job becomes your life. And I think it's important to talk about the things that also happen outside of your your career. Mm-hmm, definitely. So every hustler hot seat I end with kind of a rapid fire five so just five random questions cool um, there's no need to like elaborate on them just kind of pop out the first answer that comes to your head cool okay so the first one is how do you take your coffee black black and then your favorite travel destination Belize favorite hobby Pilates favorite business it can be a local business or it can just be beyond meat and your favorite food avocado nice perfect and then before we end the episode is there anything else that you want to leave the listeners with maybe um a quick tidbit of information on uh first how they can find you online and maybe some long-lasting information they can use for the rest of their lives Yeah, I would say I'm very easy to find online. I'm on all social networks, so hit me up. I follow back, but my website is whatsyourfree.com, so it's a really easy way to check out the podcast or some of the events and stuff that I'm part of in Toronto, and then in terms of long-lasting message, I would say I'm trying to be a role model for people to you know, get all they can out of life and to really go after your dreams and not think that that's something that you're going to have to do later on in life. I think so many people think, oh, I'll work for 20 years. I'll make all the contacts. I'll know everything and then I'll be free. There's so many young people living their best lives now. And 
I really want more and more people to feel like they can and I'm very generous with my time. So hit me up if you have any questions and I'm happy to chat with what could work for you. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for doing this episode with me. I have really appreciated it. And I love learning about this lifestyle that you're living. And I I think that the people that listen are going to start contemplating whether or not that this is a lifestyle they want to live too. And you've made it feel more realistic and more viable for them. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you. This has been fun. I'm excited to hear and share the final edited version.